Hello and welcome to Living with Hospice. My name is Mitch Ware. Come on in, grab some coffee, and sit down anywhere you'd like. Today we're going to discuss what a doula is and, well, what do they do? And we're going to give you some information so that you can decide if a doula is a good fit for you on an end-of-life journey. I've been aware of midwives for as far back as I can remember. In fact, a good family friend back home was, uh, was a midwife. Recently, well, in the last 10 years or so, I became aware of birth doulas, but not so much death doulas until just a few years ago. Doulas are people like you and I who help others navigate some of life's biggest transitions. Some doulas provide support and care to women bringing babies into the world, while others help individuals deal with the difficult and, well, emotional passing of a loved one. These people are known as death doulas or end-of-life doulas. There seems to be more awareness about doulas these days. In fact, there is more chatter about death doulas on the end-of-life forums on social media in general than I've seen in a very, very long time. So what is a death doula? Well, if you Google the term death doula, you'll get a result that reads something like a death midwife or a death doula is a person who assists in the dying process, much like a midlife or birth doula would do with the birthing process. It's often a community-based role aimed at helping families cope with death through recognizing it as a natural part of life. A friend of mine who's a doula explains the origins like this. The word doula originates from the Greek word slave and was coined in 1976 by Dana Raphael to describe an experienced woman who, after birth, assisted the mother with issues and challenges like breastfeeding her baby. In ancient Greece, the realm of mourning belonged to women. Their role in remembering the dead granted them their only position of power in that society where they possessed really no autonomy, yet this power was also believed to supersede mortal constraints, giving women the ability to do something that men could not. First, they cleansed the deceased. They anointed the body. They decorated it with aromatic garlands. In contrast, the men kept their distance to salute the dead, physically signifying their separation from the realm that belonged to women. We see women in many cultures taking the lead on preparing both the expectant mother for birth as well as the dying and dead for their final journey. The word doula means women that serves. All right, so what does that mean to you and I? To many, the concept of death doula seems like a new or progressive, quote-unquote, idea, but they are really as old as death itself. They've been around forever. In many cultures, and especially if you, if you go back and, and look throughout history, mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional support have been a fundamental part of the transition or preparation for death. In some cultures, the medicine man or medicine woman, sometimes called a shaman or shaman kas, which is the female version of that, they, those folks would fill that role. This group of people are known as invokers. Some are called healers or herbalists. Some see themselves and are called oracles or diviners 
or spiritual leaders, spiritual dancers, shapeshifters, shamanic journeyers, and of course, priests and priestesses of the ancestors. These people were once apprentices under someone else, and they served in the role of apprentice uh, with a medicine person or a divine healer or a shaman until that person stepped down or passed away, and then the apprentice would take over the role. Today, such patient and family support is less common than back in those days and in those cultures. Although, many of us in hospice and end-of-life care are trying to get the word out that there is support. Let me say that again. There is support for terminally ill persons, especially in the Western cultural societies where we tend to totally avoid discussions about death. In these other cultures, death is not something that's shunned. It's not something that is unspoken about. But in our culture, for some reason, nobody wants to talk about it. I did an unofficial survey back a a while ago among friends and patient families. And most people say that talking with their loved ones about the end of life is pretty important. But, however, only a handful actually have. Well, not until a terminal prognosis was given. Then there's this panic conversation that takes place. My family was guilty of this, as are, well, millions of other families, I guess. In our Western culture, we just don't like to talk about anything related with death or dying, let alone death itself. Even words like cancer or heart disease or casket or hospice are fear triggers in most people. This fear of death is so common that we did an episode about it here with uh, on Living with Hospice. I think it's episode number 31, and it's titled Facing Our Fear of Death. Check it out and see for yourself how we can manage this fear. I just happen to know several death doulas, and when asked what they do for patients, it really varies from doula to doula, and they're very quick to tell you that. One doula, who is a fairly new friend of mine, shared with me that She is a one-stop shopping doula, meaning she will help as needed to take stress off a family. She'll do shopping. She used to even drop off dry cleaning. And of course, she's there to help keep her client comfortable. And by that, I mean she engages the client by speaking with them, listening to them, personally connecting with them, even touching their hands and arms, engaging them, reading to them, singing to them, massaging their sore feet or legs, cleaning them up. She shares with family what they can expect when transition comes. So the families are comforted, the patient is comforted, and there should be no surprises. And she's not only there when the patient passes away, she was there after to help clean up the patient before the funeral home arrived. And she told me that with some clients, she even helped with making final arrangements with the funeral home. She's just rare. She's a one of a kind with her one-stop shopping approach to being a doula. Now, the other extreme are doulas that visit with the patient and the family, and they come maybe once a week or 10 days for a visit. They answer any questions that the family or patient might have and then are present when the patient transitions and passes away. Most doulas are somewhere in between. By the way, most doulas charge an hourly rate, anywhere from $25 an hour to $150 an hour. However, there are many doulas that 
volunteer their services. Now, are these doulas worth that kind of money if you're paying them by the hour? Well, some doulas can be quite expensive, but according to my friends who are who are doulas, they claim that they're certainly worth every penny. Now, one in particular went on to point out that depending on which doula you hire, okay, the doula will be by your side when you need them, and you'll be able to make better and more informed decisions, minimizing the stress that comes along with this end-of-life journey and transition. Knowing they're there, getting the right answers, takes away or helps minimize the fears and worry and, and just have an overall better end-of-life experience. When shopping for a doula, you'll see that a few are certified, probably a, a, an online private institution. There's no federally mandated certification to become an end-of-life doula. However, there are many private organizations, like I said, that will offer education, continuing education, and certification programs. Now, if it were me, I would want and recommend that I found a doula that was certified and had been vetted, had had some background checks, make sure that I hire one that has had to take end-of-life training classes. Maybe they've had some volunteer experience at a hospice and maybe even become a a member of the National End-of-Life Alliance, the NEDA. Or I would want to hire someone who's been doing this a very, very long time and has equivalent experience to all of that. Even still, I would check their references. I would check with the Better Business Bureau, especially if I'm paying this person. Now, let me be very clear. The skills for an end-of-life doula are learned hands-on, and in some cases, handed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. Now, you may be wondering, okay, Mitch, you know that's all great, and now I'm confused. So what is the difference between hospice care and death doulas, especially your friend that is one-stop shopping. Okay, the biggest difference is that death doulas do not provide hands-on medical care. They cannot do that. That's practicing medicine. And 99% do not have the resources that hospice agencies have, and probably 98% don't offer the one-stop shopping like my friend does. I mean, they just aren't going to provide all of those value-added tasks and services that she does. But in many cases, your local hospice will. A nice middle ground or or actually a nice blend. Some death doulas now are actually working in conjunction with or partnering with hospice programs to provide more interpersonal, social, logistical, spiritual guidance that complements the care they receive in hospice. It's a, like I said, a partnership in end-of-life care. Now, as you know, hospice care is very closely regulated by federal rules and laws, and really specifically by Medicare. That's because hospice practices medicine, complete with the administration of, of drugs and doing diagnoses and, and all of that sort of thing. Well, doulas are not regulated by Medicare as they're non-medical, and they still try to comfort the patient and whatnot, but they don't deal with medicine, with drugs. So those rules that hospice have to comply with don't apply to doulas. The National Hospice and Palliative Care Organization, which is NHPCO, has just put together what I think is a very workable end-of-life 
doula council to share with hospices and families and doulas the ways in which end-of-life doulas can assist hospice agencies in their work. This is really important, folks, out in rural areas where there is no hospice. The NHPCO is encouraging hospices to hire doulas to complete the hospice team and fill in those gaps in care and in allowing for the best end-of-life experience in areas where hospice agencies are very rural and have very minimal resources, especially in the pool of volunteers. The key here is to find a, a doula that will actually perform all of these different tasks and work with hospice that provides all the resources that doulas do not. But I would say the biggest function of doulas is vigil presence. They're there for actively dying patients. And in hospice, that's not always possible, especially out in uh, an in-home situation. But most hospice agencies have a trained group of volunteers who are part of what's called an 11th hour group. And their sole purpose is to sit vigil with those who do not have anyone else to be with them. No family, no friends in the area. And they're available to be with them as a transition. From what I've observed, death doulas are here to serve humanity just like the hospice team members do. Regardless of age, young, elderly, the terminally ill, caregivers, regardless of race, religion, sexual preference, financial standing, end-of-life doulas complement the care from hospices and hospitals and doctors, filling in the, those gaps that may occur during an end-of-life journey in the active dying process, all the way to preparing the body to be removed by a funeral home or coroner. Remember, Every doula is different. If you don't get anything else out of this episode, hear this. Doulas are independent contractors. Some charge, some charge a little, some charge a lot. Some are volunteers. Some are new. Some have been doing it for half a lifetime. Some assist with anything you ask them to do, like shopping and preparing meals and well, spiritual guidance, transition preparation, holding vigil during transition, being there after the fact. And others only assist with the actual vigil itself and transition. This is why it's best to interview doulas, find out what their specialty is, find out what they're willing com to commit to, find out if they're going to charge you. Again, each doula has their own specialty and their own preferences of what they can and will do for you and your family. So it's really important to do your due diligence when hiring a doula. The world is, and society, is ever-changing as it views birth and death, especially death. Families are bringing new and different values, new lists of preferences when it comes to an end-of-life experience. End-of-life care is changing too, by the way, and we, we, you know, we used to have funerals, and it was traditional, and it was at a church or a funeral home, and there was an order service that you could predict. You knew what was going to happen and when and so forth. As Bob Dylan wrote back in the 60s, one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs, The Times They Are A-Changing. That is so true today, and it's especially true in, in end-of-life experiences and expectations. The world is, and society just continues to evolve in, in this area. 
Families are bringing in new and different values that they hold and new lists of preferences when it comes to end-of-life experiences. End-of-life care is changing as a result from traditional, you know, go to the hospital or sit in a nursing home and die to a more of a palliative approach to care, uh, focusing on patient care, focusing on not necessarily being in a hospital or an inpatient facility, but being home and being comforted by trained people that know what they're doing. Many people are now more receptive than ever to utilize the help of an end-of-life service, whether it's a hospice agency or a doula or some other person that is experienced. Having a death doula is helpful when there is no hospice available for a family that has very little experience with caregiving or terminal caregiving or death or when they're afraid of confronting death. They have this fear of of death and the end-of-life experience and the caregiving and so forth. So how do you find a death doula? Check out the local death doulas in your area simply by Googling the words death doula. If there's one in your area, they will show up in your search. Most all of these death doulas have a Facebook page or a website that will be caught by the internet search engines. Most will offer a free consultation to help families navigate this part of the journey. You can also browse through the National End-of-Life Doulas Alliance, that's N-E-D-A, and go through their directory to find an end-of-life doula in your area. As mentioned before, doulas focus on non-medical comfort for their clients. Hospice is carefully regulated. Everyone that is affiliated with a hospice has been carefully vetted. There are FBI background checks. We've been fingerprinted. We've been TB tested. We've been vaccinated for COVID over and over and over again and extensively trained to be the best that we can be at what we do. We all stay in our lane, but we all work together as a team. Finally, if you're considering using a death doula, make sure you ask, what are their fees? Published fees run, like I said, anywhere from 25 to 150 bucks an hour. And I assume in more affluent areas, these fees may be higher. The good news is that many doulas are volunteers and don't charge. But if a doula you selected does charge a fee, ask your insurance company if those fees could be at least in part covered, as Medicare is not going to cover those expenses. Maybe someday they will, but for right now, to my understanding, they do not. Get references from the doula. Call those references or text them or email them. Find out this particular doula's strengths and weaknesses. Find out how often they're available. Find out if these other patients' families were happy with them or clients' families, I guess I should say. Check to see if they're certified by a doula organization that trains and certifies people to be a death or end-of-life doula. And as I said before, many good doulas aren't necessarily certified, but they have a ton of experience and they also have a ton of excellent references that are readily available to you. Ask if the doula is new age or a spiritual guide because at end of life, a lot of us become spiritual or we begin to think about the next life. So if you're not in line with the doula's perspective on end of life and the next life, you may discover that you're not a good fit for one another. Now, some people prefer that 
type of spiritual guide that is non-traditional, whereas others really do prefer someone more traditional. Ask what services the doula will provide, like daily visits. Uh, Is there transition planning for the family? Which means sitting down and explaining in layman's terms what's going to happen how it happens, why it happens with your loved one, and what you can expect. Some doulas will offer massages or reiki, and and like my friend, they'll even run errands for you. But that, again, I got to tell you, that's very rare. She's so special. Ask a second time, how often will they come and visit? Make sure you find out for sure that you have the correct expectations. Are they going to come 24-7 if needed? Ask if if they're charging you, maybe they have a nighttime fee or a weekend or holiday fee, find out if those fees are negotiable. As we wrap up, you know, doulas have always played an important role in society, and certainly in every culture. I mean, look in history, they're there all the time. They're not called doulas necessarily, but they're end-of-life facilitators. There is still a place for them. Now, for more information about the availability of doulas in your area, simply Google Death Doulas and go from there. As always, I want to thank you for spending your time with us today. If you've enjoyed this episode of Living with Hospice, and if you've learned something about doulas and you found this beneficial, please share it with others. For other episodes on a myriad of topics all related to end-of-life care, please check out our website at www.livingwithhospice.info. And please take a moment to let us know how we're doing. Until next time, this is your host, Mitch Ware, for Living with Hospice. Have a blessed day.